Father God, thank You so much. What a great old song. What a great old song. It reminds us of a, uh, of a truth that's just as real and new and fresh today as it was 2,000 years ago. Thank You, Lord Jesus, that You really lived and died and rose from the dead and You paid our debt. You took the penalty of every sin we would ever commit. Now or in the future. All on the cross to give us life. So we pause, Father, as we just stand before you to just be soak that in for just a minute and say thank you. Would you pray that simple phrase? Thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Good morning. My name is Pastor Dale. It's my privilege to uh, teach the Word here along with Pastor Ryan. And this morning we want to turn you to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, your iPad, your smartphone, whatever you use to connect with God. Uh, by the way, if you learn, need to learn how to do that, you come to the to the 50 plus event coming up. We'll bring you up on your technology. But uh, for today, open your Bible. I kind of use the old school type. I like the ones I can hold and actually read the words. Okay, so anyway, open your Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You know, as you do that though, let me take a minute to uh, talk about something that you probably experienced this past week. In fact, I think probably every week of my life, at some point in the week, this goes down. You meet someone for the first time. And you meet him for the first time, if nothing else, just out of common courtesy, because it feels awkward not to do it, you introduce yourself, right? You give him your name. So I need a couple of volunteers, I need, or even just a volunteer. I get a volunteer here? Uh, you know, pref- any volunteer. You say, what am I volunteering for? Trust me. Okay. If I don't get a volunteer, I'm going to call on somebody. Here we go. Uh, Devin, yeah, okay, Devin, would you stand up? Devin will be my volunteer, okay. Okay, you can, you can stay right there. I'll come to you. I've got a mic right here, so I'm going to come to you. So, Devin, if, um, hi, I'm Dale. Hi, Dale, I'm Devin. Wait a minute. Hi, Dale, I'm Devin. Oh, okay, yeah. Devin, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, I like to surf. You like to surf. Yeah, what other passions do you have in life? What do you like? I mean, surfing, what else? Um, Okay, great, good. I like football. How about you? Do you like football? I love football. <laughs> I've got a new best friend. Yeah. College or oh. NFL? Oh, I'm a college guy. How about you? I like both. Yeah, you like both. And your husband likes both, obviously, more right? NFL, I'm more college. Right, NFL? NFL. College? <laughs> kind of a mixed marriage. Okay, yeah, okay. So, so here's the deal. Um, so you're Devin. Uh, you, you tell me what you like. What, what do you do? Um, I, I work at the MRI facility. Okay. And I teach PE. All right. Great. Well, it's good to meet you, Devin. You too. Great. Okay, great. All right. Anybody else? Can I do? Anyone else want to volunteer for this project? Back here. Okay. Okay, good. Pop up. Here we go. Yeah, hi. Hi. I'm Dale. I'm Ben. Good to meet you, Ben. Tell me about, uh, tell me about Ben. Great, great. I'm a person too. We got a lot in common, man. That's great. Good deal. And uh, what do you do? Um, I do school. Okay. Eighth grade at the Gagno. 
Is that like full-time, part-time? What is that? Full-time. Full-time, yeah. <laughs> Overtime sometimes, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. What do, you, what do you like? What are your passions? Uh, P.E. and basically that. Great, P.E. <laughs> you know, you're my kind of guy. I used to like P.E. and recess. But now you're too old to have recess, right? They don't give you that anymore. No, Good deal. Good deal. Yeah, you got a family? I think. You think? <laughs> At least you did, you did until you embarrassed them getting up like this. No, no, no. I'm, you're a courageous man. Good to meet you. Good to meet you, Ben. All right. All right, so, you know, why do I do that? Well, I don't know. Sometimes I do silly things like that. But here's the deal. When you do that, it feels like, uh, what do I say if someone asks me, hi? I'm Dale, who are you? It happens every week. Most likely every week of your life, somewhere, sometime, you meet a new person and you go through some version of that exchange. But what if the someone that you met wasn't a you or a me, but an us? Think about that. You know, the Bible has an interesting phrase when it speaks about the church. It says that the church is the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. And it's made up of a bunch of individuals that are parts of the body of Christ. So this morning, here's the question. The question of the morning would be, if I said to all of you as the church... And just repeat after me, if I said, hi, I'm Dale, what would you say? <laughs> well, by the end of the morning, I'm hoping you figure that out. Hi, I'm Seacoast. Oh, great. Tell me about yourself. See, how would each of us answer those questions, me included, if, if people said, hey, how do we think about ourselves as followers of Christ individually, but also how do we think about the us? that has a name, my name is Dale, your name is Seacoast. Good to meet you. Good to meet you. So the goal today is to simply ask this question, what does God's Word say that would help us answer the question, who are we? Who are we? Who are you as an individual follower of Jesus, but also who are we if someone were to come to us and ask that question. So, we're going to do that. I get to play the role of the stranger asking the questions, and you get to answer the questions. So, hi. My name's Dale. Now, first of all, if I approached you like that, would you sit down and talk to me, or would you stand up? Out of courtesy, you would stand up. So, stand up, and we'll practice that again. You're not being very polite. Okay, here we go. Standing up now because someone's walked up to you and they've said, Hi, I'm Dale. Pay attention. I'm Dale. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get this guy's attention. Yeah, yeah, I'm Dale. Who are you? You're Seacoast. Okay, let's try it again. I'm Dale. Hi, I'm Dale. Okay, well, let's sit down and talk about it. Because I don't want to stand up for the whole conversation. But listen to the Word of God and how God helps us Answer the question, hi, I'm Seacoast. Who are we? Pick it up in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ 
And just imagine now, you're describing yourself as the church or as a follower of Jesus. Well, the first thing you need to know is the love of Christ controls us. It compels us, the word means. Having concluded this, that we've come to know that one died, that is Christ, died for all of us, and therefore all of us died when he died, but he also rose from the dead, he who died for all, so that they might live, so that they who, might, who live might no longer just live for themselves, but for Christ, for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Jump down to verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Some translations say a new creation. The old things have passed away. The old life has passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, all these things are from God. You need to understand that all this new life that we have is not from us. It's from God. All these things are from God who reconciled us to himself. The word reconciliation means to go from being an enemy to being a friend. We're reconciled relationally to God. We're now friends of God. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, so I'm now a friend of God. I'm reconciled to him through Christ, and he has given us, you should know that we now have a ministry of reconciliation. And what do I mean by that? Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, their sins, and he has committed now, he's given to us, in fact that word committed means to, it could literally be translated in the Greek language, he has placed in our hands or he has given to us the word of reconciliation, the truth about reconciliation between man and God. Therefore, who are we? We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us to the world. We beg you on behalf of Christ, come be reconciled to God because he made him, Christ, who knew no sin, never sinned, to become or to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Chapter 6, and working together with him, we also. I'll come back to that in a minute. See, when you listen to the word of God, describe us. What do we learn? Let me click it off. Number one, who am I as a follower of Jesus? Or who are we as his church? The first big thing we learn is this, that we are alive in Christ. He emphasizes this newness of life. He says, because we are now alive in Christ. And he describes this new life in Christ with three different aspects that I want to help you remember. So if you want to write them down, I'll give them to you. I've given you an outline if you want to take a few notes. Here we go. Number one, you're a new person because you have spiritual life in Christ. The old me dies with Christ spiritually, and I'm resurrected with Christ to a new life. I love the phrase in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creature. He doesn't say he's a better creature. He's not just a better man, woman, or child. It's a new birth. That's how Jesus described it to a guy that was highly religious but spiritually dead named Nicodemus because religion can't give you spiritual life. Jesus said, you don't just need religion. You don't need to be just morally better. You need a new birth 
spiritually. You already had a physical birth, that's obvious, you're walking around the planet. But you need a spiritual birth because spiritually we are dead in our sin. And he describes us as having spiritual life in Christ. Verse 17, as a new creation. Number two, we have a new partner in life. That is that we are eternally reconciled to God. We're eternally at peace with God. Verse 18, check it out. It says, now all these things are from God. That this, these new things, this new life, who reconciled us, brought us to peace with God through Christ, Namely, and he, in verse 19, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. How did he do that? By not counting their sins against them, and he committed to us this great news, this word of reconciliation, this message of reconciliation. So we have a new partner. I am eternally reconciled with God. There's a great verse, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, For now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are eternally at peace with God. Even when I sin, I'm still at peace with God. Why? Because my sins have been forgiven by what Christ did on the cross, and because of that, I can come before God, confess my sin, but even before I confess my sin, I'm a child of God, eternally forgiven of all my sin. You say, well, why do I confess my sin? Well, it's so that I have a right relationship with God. It's just like I'm eternally married, at least for this life, and hopefully through eternity with my wife Becky. Amen? Amen. Yeah. It's really not through eternity, but we don't want to get into that right now. But if I could choose, it'd be for eternity. Just wanted to say that. It's close. It's tough when theology begins to mess with your marriage. But anyway... Well, why did I bring that up? It's because, <laughs> there is a, there's a point here. It's because I am eternally her husband. I love her. I'm committed to her for life. Now, if she sins against me, or let's flip it around, because she never does that. If I sin against her, if I'm nasty to her, uh, you know, this week one day, I remember one day this week, I just had a tone to my voice. I won't even tell you what I said, but there was a tone to my voice, and all she did was look at me like, you know, and uh, I just kind of knew, you know, I was just harsh. I was hurtful. And uh, I just had to say, you know, honey, I'm sorry I did that. I shouldn't have spoken to you that way. Because she felt disrespected and, and I kind of had, you know, anyway, let's not go into the details. But the, the, the reality is, why do I, con- I didn't confess because I thought my marriage would end. I confess because I want a sweet relationship. And that's why we confess our sins to God. It's not to get forgiveness eternally. That's already secured at the cross. It's to have forgiveness relationally every day. So we have a sweet, healthy relationship, walking daily in the power of God and His Spirit. That's why we confess. But the point is this. i got a new, eternally reconciled relationship with God. How... Is that possible? It's verse 21. I'm showing you from the text. He says, because God made Christ, who knew no sin whatsoever, to become sin on our behalf so that we might become righteous before God. See, Jesus took all of my sin on himself, on the cross, paid the penalty for them. So my debt is paid. My, punish, my punishment has been, has been handled by Jesus. So that's why God, who is holy, can still love Dale, who is unholy at times. 
That's an incredible new partnership with God, friendship with God. So I got a new person with a new partner, friend in God. Number three, I got a new perspective on life that flows out of that. And it's it's mentioned in chapter 6, verse 1. And therefore, working together with Him. So now, I got a new partnership with God where I'm working with him, serving him. In fact, look at chapter 6, verse 4. Look over there, flip it. It says, now I had to flip it in my Bible. But in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God. Why are we servants of God? Because we're relationally connected to God and we have a new purpose. So I got a new perspective that I have a loyalty to a new king in my life. There's a new king in my life and he's no longer Dale. Before Jesus came along, to be blunt, Dale was the king of his life. Dale was building Dale's little kingdom. Dale had a dream. Let's build my kingdom. And I realize now that I need to serve a higher king and a better kingdom. And that's who I am. So I got a new perspective on life with a new partner, my friendship with God, and a new person. I'm a new creation. Now that naturally leads to the second question. That's kind of, so who am I? Well, wow, I'm a person that's alive in Christ. So, wow. So Seacoast, you're a person alive in Christ. What's your passion? And I think the passion I see in this passage, that's the second question. What are your interests? What are your passions? And are they bigger than college football, the NFL, or anything else for that matter, right? And yes, our new passion is this. I live to share life. I live to share life. Uh, and, uh, the phrase that's used in this passage is a ministry of reconciliation that I I have a purpose, a ministry, a job that God has given to me. I have a ministry of helping other people discover life and be reconciled to God. And therefore, I am a, I live to share life. And I think if I were to boil down our purpose as a church, it's this. And I love this phrase that Pastor Ryan likes to use and our elders like to use. It says, we exist Man, we breathe as a church if we're a person. Think of the church as a person. We live and breathe to help others experience life in Jesus and then learn to follow him. Now, why is the second half important? You're going to see in a minute because Jesus doesn't want to just give us eternal life. He wants to give us an abundant life. And if you don't learn to follow him as well as just believe in him for the forgiveness of your sins, you'll never experience the full life Jesus wants you to have. I love Jesus in John 15, 11, where he says, these things I'm teaching you. And it was in the middle of one of his, of his longest sermons. He says, I'm teaching you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy might be made full. I want you to have full joy, real joy, real life. See, my passion is to share life. And that's our passion as a church. That's our passion as a church. When it comes down to it is hearing stories of people experiencing life through Jesus Christ. You heard some of those stories last week as three of our people came up here and sat in chairs. And it's hearing those stories that we, that we exist for. You say, wow, okay, so you're alive in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. You're kind of connected to Jesus. New person, new partnership, new perspective. I get that. That's who you are. So what do you really care about? Well, I care about, you know, I, I, man, I'm passionate for sharing life. So, but what do you do? That's the third question. Because most of us somewhat identify with our jobs, our careers, right? So the third question would be, so what do you do? 
What do you do? And here's how I would answer it from today's passage. I would say I am a full-time rep for Life Incorporated, the supplier of real life. And I'm a full-time, I'm on 24-7 as a rep, a representative, a sales guy, whatever you want to call it. I work for this company called Life Inc. Okay? Uh, Head of the company, Jesus. Okay, head of the company, probably the father, the major supplier for the company, Jesus. That's probably a better, you know, energy source for the company, the Holy Spirit. But I'm getting too deep into my theology here. But here's the deal. I work for Life, Inc. I'm a full-time rep for Life, Inc. Here's how he describes it in this passage. Chapter 5, move on to verse uh, 20, okay? Chapter 5, verse 17 tells me who I am, new creation in Christ. 18, 19 tells me what I'm passionate for. I want to I share life. I want to have a ministry of helping others re, re, be reconciled to God and receive life. Verse 20, therefore, what flows out of that is therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God himself were making an appeal through us we beg you on behalf of Christ, you come be reconciled to God too. That's what we do. It's like if you're an ambassador for the U.S., you, then ambassadors for the U.S. don't live in the U.S. Does that make sense? No, they live in a foreign field somewhere among people that are not U.S. citizens. And what they do is they, they try to honorably represent the kingdom of the U.S., they try to represent our country. They have the interests of our country at, at heart all the time. Uh, so they try not to look and act too much like the people in the other country. I and mean, they need to do it enough to connect with them and have friendships. But they want to be a little different because they are American. A lot of pride today as we remember 9-11. So there is a sense of patriotism that is healthy, I think. Nothing wrong with that. But you know, men and women, it's not at the root of who we are. Because even above the fact that I am proud to be connected to this place called the USA, when I travel, when you travel, you represent a bigger, better king and a more significant kingdom in Jesus Christ and his church. And we work for this giver of life. We're a full-time rep for a company. To me, I can relate to that more than just being an ambassador because most of us have never been an ambassador, probably never will be. Any former ambassadors in the room? Sometimes I'll have one. Okay. Anyone ever been a rep for a company in the room? Raise your hand. There's a few more of those. So see, so you understand what I'm talking about. You represent this company. Now, that's how we need to think as we go living in our world. And it's probably the best illustration I could think of this week was this. What if you were a rep for a major pharmaceutical company and you had just developed a new pill and the pill would cure cancer? One pill. Take it one time, you'll never get cancer. If you have cancer, it'll go away. Now, how much would that pill be worth? Anybody want to give me a dollar amount? Priceless. Why? Why priceless? Talk to me. Saves a life. And life is that valuable, right? 
Well, see, this is what Jesus is saying. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying about us as a church, is we're not only an ambassador for God, we are a company rep for Life Incorporated that actually provides eternal life to people who are eternally dead. Because sin cannot be tolerated by a holy God. Now, this is where we need to understand that we have an incredible good news gift to represent. We represent a gift that is actually better than a cure for cancer. Because you can cure a person's cancer and they still someday will die of something else. And then they have to stand before a holy God. And how do they do that knowing that we've all sinned? I've sinned, you've sinned. How do we do that? But to actually offer people something that gives them life eternal, whether they die of cancer or old age or, or, or a tragic incident, it doesn't matter. We possess the gift of life. And I love the fact that as an ambassador of God, notice what he says in verse 6-1. And therefore we are working together with him Therefore, we, we urge you to not receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at the acceptable time, I listened to you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. In other words, he's saying, look, for every person you interact with life, all you can say is, if you want to have life in Christ, today that's offered to you. I can't tell you that you're going to be around tomorrow. So don't put this off. I love the fact that we are delivering good gifts from God. You know, he starts by saying, therefore, we're working with God to share the grace of God with people. And we, Tam, don't, don't waste this offer of grace. Because if you don't receive the offer of grace, it does you no good. It's like being offered a gift. And if you turn it down then it can't help you. And then he talks about uh, how he goes into a long list in verses 3 through 10 of all the ways that he says, man, we're willing to suffer in order to share this good news with you. And I love the way it ends. I'd never noticed this in verse 10. Look at it. Verse 10 says, and as sorrowful, yet we always are rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich as having nothing yet possessing all things. Verse 10 says this, we are the givers of good gifts from God and we are willing to sacrifice to make others rich. And we're not talking about dollars here, are we? We're not, this is, has nothing to do with promising people health and wealth if you trust Jesus. What he's saying is though, in the eternal perspective and the perspective of this life also, if you want to be rich, you can be rich in Jesus Christ. His grace, His forgiveness, His truth, His wisdom, His guidance in how to have a better life and a marriage and raise fit families and, 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 and to live life with meaning and purpose. And whoa, it's all there. So he says, we, we're in the business of offering you gifts that make you rich. Even though we may be poor. And he's, and he's being sarcastic here. Even though we may appear poor, we don't have much money. In reality, we're in the business of making people rich, making them alive, helping them come to life. 
We're ambassadors of God, delivering gifts from God, sacrificing to make others rich in God. In other words, our key phrase is this. We exist to experience life in Jesus and learn to follow Him. That's real life. That's real life. See, our culture gets so confused on life. They get confused on what is real life. What's it mean to be rich? Yesterday, Becky and I, in just one day, gave me an illustration of this. Took my wife out to dinner up in wine country, up in Temecula. Those beautiful vineyards. Love, love just seeing the beauty of those this time of the year. We're about ready to leave. And... Uh, because I was having one of my better days, I told Beck, I said, you just go up to the street, I'll walk down and get the car, I'll drive up and pick you up. And as I drove up to pick her up, as I'm driving up, at that very instant, I noticed that right over her shoulder, probably, I don't know, 100 feet away, maybe, was this dark, nasty-looking little plume of smoke. And first I thought, whoa, I think somebody's burning something nasty in their trash. And then by the time and she by the time I got her to open the door to get in, I said, Honey, look over your shoulder. And she looked over her shoulder, and what what it was was it was this beautiful vineyard setting with this beautiful, nice home. You see those out there? Picture one of those beautiful homes. It was one of those homes behind a locked gate for security. And something had erupted in the garage of that home. And within two minutes, three minutes, the whole house flames up above the trees. That quick. We stopped and after we drove our car out of the way, because we knew emergency vehicles would be arriving, and uh, I said, there's nothing we can do, but we can pray. So we stopped and just prayed for that family. I don't know who they are. But somebody, from a worldly perspective, lost everything they owned in their dream house in the vineyards yesterday. Yesterday, right about 6 o'clock in the evening. I don't know if they were home or not. I pray they weren't. But my guess is if they lost everything and they weren't home, they're going to show up. Some interviewer from the TV stations up there will probably put a mic under their face today maybe. You may see this in the news. And they'll probably say, so how do you feel about losing everything? And if they weren't home, I'm trusting they weren't. They weren't coming out at least, you know. I'm trusting they weren't there. They'll say, well, you know, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. At least we got our life. And then we jump on the freeway to drive south on the 15, and my mind goes back to the morning news yesterday, reporting a car driven by a grandmother my age, two-year-old grand child in the car actually driven by the mother of the child the mother a five-year-old a two-year-old and a grandmother going for a ride how often do i do that in my phase of life and some drunk comes behind and clips them sets them 
up for the next truck that plows into them and just cuts the car in half. And today you have a grandmother and a two-year-old who are who've lost their life. And you got a mother and a five-year-old in the hospitals. What matters most? Which of those two people do you want to be? Obviously, the answer is neither. But if you had to choose, which would you want to be? See, why is this passage important? It's because it tells us that we are in the business as a church. Who are you, Seacoast? What do you care about? What do you do? The answer to that is we are alive in Christ. And because of that, we are in, internally motivated to be in the business of sharing life. We're full-time reps for Life Incorporated through Jesus. Um, you say, yeah, but Dale, I have to have a job. You know why you have a job? You have a job to pay the bills. But you also have a job because Jesus doesn't want his ambassadors in here. He wants you here for an hour or two every week to get trained up on how to better be an ambassador. But, he, but you don't do any ambassador work here. Your ambassador's out there. Every one of you have been placed in a job, a school, a neighborhood to be the rep for life in Jesus. And why do we do this? Or how do we help you do this? Let me not jump that. That's why you'll hear us talk about encounter, connect, and go. It's because we want you to encounter God in worship. Connect with one another to grow in your faith so that we can all go as full-time reps of life incorporated with the love of Christ. Sharing good news that actually makes people rich when they're spiritually poor gives them eternal wealth and a life that is incredible through Jesus. That should get us out of bed. Why do we do this? Well, we do it for a number of reasons, and I knew I would run out of time, so I printed them out for you. So read them this week. We do it because we are driven by our love for Christ. We are motivated by the grace of God. We know that this stuff really matters and it's worth whatever price we have to pay to get it done. Whether we're doing it from Encinitas to Africa, it's worth the sacrifice to share life with people who are dying. That's your job. Embrace it. Embrace it. As we move into our time of communion now, we want to use communion a little differently today. We've set it up on my right and my left. We want you to just sit and pray for a while. Think about who are you? Who are you? And who are we? And then when you're ready to say, you know, I'm not perfect. That's why I need the Lord's forgiveness. Represented by the sacrifice of Christ in communion. The blood and the body of Christ given for our sins. As you eat and drink it, you're remembering not that you're earning anything, but you are appreciating the gift of life that you've received through the broken body and the shed blood of Christ. But also do it today with a different slant. Do it 
in the spirit of saying, and dear Father, make me your agent for life. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the gift of life that you've given us. Uh, I pray, Father, that you would help us to really embrace this calling you've given us. Help us as a church to remember why we do what we do when we worship, when we serve, when we give. Thank you for all that you have done. Father, today, as we go out to the plaza and see all the different ministries that we could connect to and serve in, or perhaps just get involved to, so that we can grow through Rooted or through a life group, Father, make today a day in which before we leave this campus, we leave with a different mindset, a different purpose, something that can't be burned up in a fire, something that can't even be taken in a tragedy on a highway. Help us to live and breathe to represent the life that you've given and that others might have it too. So Lord, use this time of communion now to uh, let each of us just sit, pray, and when ready, come and partake in Christ's name. Amen.